Hello, friends. You're listening to episode 770 of the Juicebox podcast. Cue the music. On today's show, we're going to be speaking with Melina. She's 20 years old, lives in Germany, and has had type 1 diabetes for most of her life. While you're listening to Melina tell her story, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I'm looking for type 1s or type 1 caregivers who are U.S. residents to go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and fill out a very short survey. When you complete the survey, you have helped me, you have helped yourself, and you've helped other people living with type 1 diabetes. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Easy questions. You know the answers to these questions. They're not super difficult. They are completely anonymous. The questions and the entire thing are HIPAA compliant, you're safe, you're covered, and you're helping. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. Take you fewer than 10 minutes. Let's hope that said what I thought it did. (laughs) This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Dexcom, makers of the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitoring System, and the Dexcom G7, which was just released in the United Kingdom, Ireland, Germany, Austria, and Hong Kong. More countries to come very soon. Learn more or get started today at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. You may be eligible for a free 10-day trial of the Dexcom G6. Learn more at my link. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Hi, my name's Melina. I'm 20 years old. I live in South Germany and I've had diabetes for, I think, 16 years. <laughs> you think 16 years? I think I'm just doing the math. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Soon to be 17 years. Do you know, I kind <laughs> of like it when people don't exactly know. Because it just feels so normal. They're like, I don't know. I've had it for a while now. Um, diagnosed as a kid. And are you, yes. do you live on your own? You do, right? Um, well, I, um, I'm kind of in an in-between situation. So I'm, I'm currently working an internship quite close to home. So I spend like the week um, at my own flat and I go home um, during the weekends. Oh, that's nice. So you so you live with your parents, but you have this situation where you're gone for a little while at your own place. Exactly. Excellent. Um, so you're out of college, or this is part of part of university. Um, this is like the last part of college. Okay. I'm I'm finishing up now. <laughs> nice. What What's your degree in? Um, psychology. Excellent. Don't pick me apart too much, okay? While we're doing this, <laughs> if you notice, I'm really unstable. Tell me privately. You know what? I don't care. Tell me here if you want to. Um, So what made you interested in that line of work? Um, Well, I 
God, I shouldn't be telling this. <laughs> this sounds like a good um, start, Melina. Let's tell us. Let's tell me some things you don't want to tell anybody. Go ahead. No, um, I, I'm more interested in like general psychology, not psychotherapy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And what kind of got me interested is we live in a world with so much technology around us, where human error is kind of one of the biggest parts so understanding why we as humans are as failable as we are was like one of my major motivations <laughs> oh i like that have you figured anything out so far well a lot actually i mean humans have so many biases and make so many errors which i mean we all make the same mistakes technically um yeah so that's been interesting (laughs) so so simple stuff like we have a preconceived notion about something and then even if the correct answer is presented to us we can't see it and not only can we not see it but we'll defend our position is that right exactly yeah well, like uh, the first impression you get of a per- of a person is going to influence your entire behavior towards that person, even if everything that happened after your first meeting is completely unrelated to that. If the person you met was aware of that, can they change how you feel about them? Not really, actually. That's one of the hardest things about biases. They're very, very hard to avoid, even if you yourself are aware of them. Is it uncommon for people to be aware of them? I mean, most people don't really think about them at all. So there's kind of not, not a desire for awareness. I mean, in our social behavior and everything re- regarding to that, we make so many small unconscious decisions um i don't think people even spend time thinking about this and therefore there's not that much to be aware about in most people's well minds is this um why we see uh what's an example uh why we see people uh, say vote against their own best interests sometimes that that's one example yes yeah like you you just somebody has sold you a, a bill of goods and you believe in it so much that you can look in the face of it and say i'm going to i'm going to support this even yes. though even though it's going to hurt you yes yeah it's fantastic isn't it is it because we're um un uh what's the word i want is it because our minds are still mostly undeveloped well, I, I I don't actually know. Mm-hmm. I have to be honest here. Um, I think it's because there's so many things going on in our minds. I mean, the the part of our decision making which we experience consciously is a very small part. There are very many things, uh, basically, open browser tabs in the back of our head. <laughs> Okay. which are always working. And um, so I actually think this is an effect of our mind doing a lot of things and our consciousness being very limited. So, so what, uh, what should we do? Should we put a, um, like, I guess maybe all you could do is try to be ultra aware of your actions and reactions 
and judge them in the moment and then have some sort of a process set up in your own life where you can put a stop to them and re and then and then you make the next decision you would make about that that subject i would guess then would be more conscious and less coming from one of those open tabs yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, as I said before, like the biggest part in, in fighting all of these unconscious effects is awareness of them. Like, if, if you st consciously start thinking about, hey, why don't I like this person, for example, um, you're, you tend to be more aware of the reasons things like this happen. It's hmm. interesting. I think it's, um, have you found ways, I should say, that are applicable to diabetes? Well, I mean, it, it's kind of this thing. I, I have thought about this in the past. And I think maybe it's um, people who like to stick to like one kind of technology, like people who don't want to pump because they're so used to their pants. We have like, this um this notion of their pants working and this being the thing that once helped them that they want don't want to get um like another option mm -hmm. so I, I think that this is kind of similar i can tell you a place well where... maybe oh, if oh, like one um, way of therapy has been very successful in the past that you don't want to try new things because you've got like the, the positive effect of this going on. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen it, I think, a little when, when people talk about insulin pricing as an example, um, because you have this very obvious reaction, like this shouldn't be this expensive, right? You, we, we shouldn't Scott, be. I, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you right there. Go ahead. I'm from Germany. <laughs> you don't pay for your insulin? I don't pay for my insulin. <laughs> <laughs> well, but well, we'll pick something else then. It's um, <laughs> you know, uh let's see. I don't know. I don't I, I don't have an apples apples uh, I'm just going to have to keep going with my description for a second, but you know, insulin's expensive here and it's, you know, if you're covered by insurance for some people, it almost costs nothing. I would I would expect that we don't pay, you know, out of pocket. It's easy to say I probably pay $20 a month or something for insulin, which isn't true. We have a, a health insurance plan, which I think we probably contribute. Oh, gosh, by, by the time you pay for the plan every month out of your paycheck, and then there's an amount of money you have to pay cash in the beginning, I, I probably pay $8,000 a year for health insurance. Um so, you know, to say that insulin's $20 isn't really fair. Uh, all of our doctor's appointments, um, Arden supplies, et cetera, cost us, you know, I, I bet we pay eight to $10,000 a year for all that stuff. And then there's co-pays where you sometimes show up at an office and have to still pay $20 or $40 and et cetera, and medications, et cetera. But, but the point is, is that when you hear people argue about it and say it should be free, I say, I say, yes, it definitely should be free. And they'll say, well, in Germany, it's free. Why can't we do that here? And then, I don't know, I might say, well, then that's just not how it's set up here right now. You know, and there are people who make money off of it in all different kinds of ways. So just saying that you think it should be free is not going to fix it, right? You need, you need to see bigger picture. And there are ways to attack the problem. So now we're not talking about insulin pricing anymore. We're talking about democracy, commerce, you know, 
you know, how people make money. But but when the argument happens, it's just like, this is wrong. And I'm like, no, I, I know it's wrong. Now get past that and come up with an answer. And then sometimes the answers like freak me out. Like I, I had a person tell me one time, uh, pharmaceutical companies shouldn't have PR departments. They shouldn't run ads. And then they would save all kinds of money on that. And then that money they could take off the price of insulin. I said, well, that's a, uh, I mean, okay. Like, I don't know if that's a real idea or not, but take your opinion and we'll keep moving forward. I said, what happens if one of the PR executives has diabetes and now he doesn't have a job and now he can't afford his, in- his insulin, but now we give the money we were going to give him, we give it to somebody else. Now they can afford it. I said, you haven't really fixed the problem. You've moved the problem around a little bit. And then the response is so emotional that they can't talk through the real problem. And and I, I wonder if that's not a similar situation where you just keep having an emotional response to something instead of being able to step back and then work through the rest of it, like all of the other problems. And I mean, it's a, a little bit of a stretch to attach it to diabetes, but it, it is what happens to people. They get caught in whatever kind of occurs to them first. Oh, this isn't right. Now this is what I defend. Or someone else steps up and goes, well, people have to make money too. And then that's the perspective that they defend. Nobody ever stands in the middle and tries to absorb all of the complexity, I guess. that That's that's uncommon sometimes. I think I'm, kind of the comparison I'm thinking of is um, – the, the example you always use um, uh, when someone's always going low because their basal is technically too low. Mm-hmm. So the, the basal rate's not strong enough and they keep correcting. And they always think like there's so that there must be too much insulin going on, which technically it is because of the corrections. But the core of the problem, if they would step away from the current situation, would be that it's actually not enough. Yeah. I got you. That's I that's how I talk yeah. about it all the time. You you must like this podcast, huh? Might have listened to some episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um how how long have you been aware of the podcast? Um I think uh late 2018, early 2019. Nice. I was really hitting my stride then. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think I've done some good stuff prior to that. There just weren't as many people, um, there weren't as many people listening at that point. Um, how did you find it? Um, actually, it was kind of like, an, I, I don't want to call it an accident, but um, I just, I scrolled past it because um, when... I moved out from my parents for university. I was um, living in a, in a single person flat. So during most of the day, I just, I had no one to talk to. And so I, I generally started uh, listening to podcasts and well, there are only so many true crime podcasts out there. <laughs> um, and so I kind of just went around for looking for like things I could listen to, which would interest me. And um, diabetes was not something I, I was thinking about, but the moment um, it showed up on, I, I think it was Spotify, mm-hmm. um, I was kind of thinking, well, I have diabetes. Um I could just as well listen to this. <laughs> wow. 
I, I appreciate that. I know uh, the true crime, the true crime podcasts are apparently huge uh, with, especially with women. Apparently, um, I don't understand why, but I'm glad that you were able to get away from them. I just looked while you were talking, and Germany is my fifth most popular country. Oh, okay. And you beat did New, not know that you beat New, Ze- <laughs> New Zealand. Who, by the way, New Zealand, you're dropping off a little bit. So <laughs> let's try to get it together. Okay. Um, uh, that's uh, when when you find it, and I'm American. Does that change anything for you? Not really. Um, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts in English, and I watch most of the, t- the TV I watch in English. So doesn't really make a difference and um we also um like use uh what's what's the unit uh, milligrams per deciliter for mm-hmm. blood sugar levels so it was actually kind of helpful <laughs> what, what ha- that you were american <laughs> okay what happens when you realize i'm now listening to a diabetes podcast by an american who doesn't have diabetes well um Oh, I'm thinking of how I'm going to express myself here. Take your time. Um, At first, I was kind of mad at you, maybe. (laughs) I get that. Um, Because the thing is, when I was diagnosed when I was four, and up until um, my teen years, my father was the person responsible for most of all the diabetes-related things. And... um, that caused us to not have such a great relationship to some of my uh, teen years. So um, listening to a father talking about his daughter's diabetes, which he manages, um, I mean, I was interested, but I was was also kind of like, I don't want to say hate listening, but it kind of started as that. (laughs) (laughs) I imagine a lot of people hate listen, but that's that's okay with me. Mad because I shouldn't be talking about something I don't have or mad because I'm doing something with my daughter you wish your dad did or what's this? How does that hit you? No, I kind of, um, I think like looking at someone's blood sugar, treating someone with insulin, always like the the idea back when I was growing up, uh, Dexcom was not as big as it is now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a thing in the early years, even. Like the the idea of when I was like, I don't know, in in my early teens, uh, late late childhood, somewhere around that. Um, if my father would have had like like a Dexcom to look at and would have basically followed me around, <laughs> like. Um, Always looking at my numbers, it, I I I, th- I kind of think this is um, a scary thing for me to imagine. <laughs> Would it feel intrusive, or you just wouldn't want your dad that close all the time, or? Um, I, it would feel in, intrusive, and also like being in control of some someone else, like pretty much completely. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Okay. I got you. That makes sense to me. Um, how long did you listen with disdain before you started to think I like this podcast and I like what we're talking about? Um, well, once I started trying the things you actually were talking about, <laughs> ah. um, 
well, I was, as I said, I was living on my own. I was going to university. So I kind of made my own schedule. I could time when and what I ate. So I had a lot of time to try and try new things with using insulin with different foods and stuff. And once like I, I got into this of um, I've managed up to until that point, I've basically managed my diabetes the same way since um, I started managing on my own. And um, with the ideas I got from the podcast, I started to, well, have better control, see the better numbers. And I was kind of thinking like, this guy might actually know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know, people might think I did this on purpose, but I did not know uh, Melina's background in psychology before we started doing this. So I just want to be clear that I did not know about that before we started. But basically, you just went through the entire process that we spoke about in the beginning, like having a preconceived notion of something, but then you broke free of it, which is a now we know from the earlier part of our conversation is a is a, a really um, a kind of a big celebration to have because it's uncommon. So you're saying that most commonly people would listen, have their reaction, and not be able to adjust. So did you do something to help yourself adjust? Or do you think that the desperation that diabetes puts you in just makes you open to listen to different ideas? Um, I mean, I, I would not call it desperation because I, um, the, the way I was managing my diabetes, I did not have any issues. So I was, I was not looking for answers. I basically stumbled upon them. I see. Um, but I, I just think like uh, the effects, the management methods had on my blood sugar were greater than any of my preconceived notions. So um, the, the good results I got out of listening were like greater than um well, th then, um, then you're hate my, me not liking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I might call this episode hate listen, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's not decided yet. Um, okay. So where, like, what was your A1C when you were, I don't know, 17 or 18? Givoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is a premixed auto-injector of glucagon for treatment of very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvoglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvoglucagon.com slash risk. With the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, you can see your glucose numbers, or the glucose numbers of a loved one with just a quick glance at your smart device or Dexcom receiver. Get alerted when your glucose levels are heading high or low and share your data with up to 10 followers. That's just a little bit of what the Dexcom G6 offers. The Dexcom G6 offers trend lines to show you where your glucose levels are headed and how fast they're getting there so that you can take action. Maybe you've miscounted carbs and your blood sugar's rising. With the Dexcom G6, you'll be alerted before the problem gets out of hand. Same with a low blood sugar. Heading in the wrong direction? A couple of beeps on your smart device or your receiver will let you know to take a look. 
These alerts will allow you to take action before it's too late. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Head over now to get started with the Dexcom G6 or to see if you're eligible for a free 10 day trial of the G6. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Really is the best thing you could do for yourself. Anecdotally, my daughter's been in college now for about a month. There's a lot of adjustments going on and I don't even know how she'd be able to handle this on her own if we weren't there to help her and get her back. And it's super easy to do when we can see her data on our phones. Right now, I'm helping Arden fight a high blood sugar while she does her homework. And we've already had a couple of lows at inopportune times that have been headed off because we knew they were coming. How did we know? Arden's wearing a Dexcom G6 and I and my wife can see her data on our iPhones. Check it out. I think you'll be glad that you did. Um, Not that bad, technically. I think it was like a 6.4 or something. That's good. That's good. Um, so it wasn't bad, but like my time and range was... 50 to 65 percent i got you because i spend like the the entire day going from the 40s to 250 and back <laughs> so you were one of those people who was tricking the system a little bit your your time and range proves out that your a1c might not be well earned i guess you know like or, or i don't know if well is the way to put it but it, you might have been tricking the system a little bit by being low so much, right? And then you bounce up. And so what was the first thing that you heard on the podcast that got you moving in the right direction? Um, well, it's always kind of been like um, I was not actually tricking the system because um, my, my doctor was one of the first doctors in like in our area who looked more a time and range versus HbA1c okay um, so I kind of got a little bit of scolding at my appointments I, see. I, see. <laughs> I just like I, I was 17 I did not bother <laughs> <laughs> you weren't listening when he was scolding by the way also being scolded in German yes yes which is it's a um, it's a harsher language does it feel scarier like is there something that I could say to you in English that would sound better than if it got said to you in German um I, I don't I don't think so, you but I mean so. I'm just used to the language. So. I understand. Can we can we test it very quickly? I'll okay. say I'll say something, and then you say it back to me. You say the same thing back to me. Let me think. Um, and I, 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 I'm supposed to say it in German. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you, you can do that, right? You speak German. Yes, I do. Of course you do. Okay, all right. So hold on, Melina. I need you to try harder to keep your blood sugar in range. Okay, let me think how I'm going to translate it. Um, Scott, du musst dich mehr anstrengen, um deinen Blutzucker unter Kontrolle zu halten. Okay, so I will let the people listening decide which one sounded harsher. But I think, <laughs> and I was trying to be a little harsh. So, okay. So I'm trying to imagine you, 17 years old, getting the, you know, the riot act read to you about your 6'4". But are you looking at the 6'4 and thinking... But this 6'4 is good. Like, why are you yelling at me? Or did you understand why the doctor wasn't thrilled with it? 
Um, well, I, I didn't understand why it wasn't third brother because I was like thinking, well, of course the numbers go up and down, but like the average is okay. I'm I'm coming out on top at the end of the day. So why are you yelling at me? I, I did not get at that point that the fluctuation in blood sugars was just as bad, if not worse, than high blood sugars. Yeah, it's very permanent, yeah, permanently. Find, finding stability is very, very important. That's why in the beginning, even finding stability at a higher number is valuable. And then you can start to, you know, kind of crank it down and bring it down a little bit at a time until you're, until you're comfortable. Um, so he's telling you it's not quite right. You don't understand why it's not quite right. Quite right. You find my podcast and you start imagining that it's possible. What did you attack first? Um... Well, the the thing was, um, I was trying to lose weight at the time because I, I had gained a little bit moving away from home. Mm -hmm. I, I think in the US you call it like the freshman 15 or that something. Is, that is what they call it. <laughs> and um, I, since I had a lot of lows during the day, I also kept eating extra calories. So um, I was trying to keep from crashing. Mm -hmm basically and um i think it's like i don't know when you start saying it like in the podcast but there's always this notion of if you never go high you never go low right <laughs> so i was just basically starting to try to, to not go, get high and of course it, it ended since i was on pen at the time so it basically ended with starting to pre-bolus actually because i had been taught pre-bolusing um but I never actually use it because waiting 20 minutes for your meal is just, it's, it's a lot of time spent hungry. <laughs> <laughs> a, um, a lot of time. So spent I, I, kind, I kind of started implementing that and I had less highs. I had less lows. I started adjusting my basal. Um, then I kind of, I had a point where I, found out that with the um I was injecting Levimer at the time mm -hmm. um I was always going low in the middle of the night um so um I tried to lower my dose I couldn't quite adjust it so I also made the decision to switch to a pump right around that time okay um and as soon as I got on a pump with varying basal rates and pre-bolusing being even easier since it was only the push of a button, um, things started to actually get way more stable. And um, I started to notice that I had, before um, having stable sugars, I had felt like shit because all those um, hypos during the day, they were ruining my mood and my grades. I just hadn't realized it. Yeah. And once I, I got rid of those and of, all the, the ups and downs, um, I started actually feeling better. My, my mental health got better. So I just stuck to it. <laughs> That's excellent. I'm really happy for you. I'm also very impressed that you figured it out at a younger age while you were at college too. Is that something not uncommon for you or are you a particularly mature person for your age? Um, I guess I, I've kind of, Ben, I'm I'm the youngest of five children. Oh, they stopped taking care of you years ago. <laughs> You've been on your own since you were seven. I see. 
<laughs> no, um, well, I um, all my siblings are way older than me, so I was, I was kind of like the last one left at home, and my parents were both working full time, so I, I was kind of on my own a lot. I see. Which I think um, makes you a bit more mature. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I moved out at, at 17, which is, I don't know if that's common in the US. It's not quite common around here. To go to school? Um, Did you leave to go to school? Yes. Yeah, it's about the age when it happens here, 17 or 18, when you're done with high school. Um, But usually those kids then go to college and make stupid, dumb decisions for two and a half years until the middle of their junior year. And then they look up and they're like, oh, what am I doing? And then maybe they pull it together, you know, when they're 21 or so, a little bit or begin to pull it together a little bit. But you made like big you made big changes to your healthcare and then you noticed what happened. It, was it talk about it for another second again? I know you said you didn't feel well. How long did it take you to start feeling better and how remarkable was the change? Um I think like as the the first thing which made me feel better were uh, not going low at night mm-hmm. because I I woke up in the middle of the night. I um, did not have like an, an real CGM. I had the, the Libre, okay. which did not have alarms. So right. I basically, I woke up from my low blood sugar. I ate um, then went back, went, went back to bed. So I had gotten, I, I don't know. I, I think the, the Libre usually just read low. <laughs> which was not quite accurate. So it must have been like the the fifties or forties mm-hmm. um, as um, I, well, I had that low blood sugar. I had interrupted sleep. Um, then I got up in the morning. I wish I was usually a bit higher than I should have been because as I said, the Libra doesn't have alarms and I, I woke up hungry in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's basically how I started my day. <laughs> Um, and also, like, when you're um, in the library studying and you go low all the time, that's time you spend sitting there trying to read your books in which you basically don't learn anything because your brain can't process it. Mm. So that's just time of your day wasted. That's, um, that, that's I think, a burden that people don't recognize right away. And then it has a way of compounding and before you know it, you're lost. You know, a, a, a bad a bad episode turns into a bad morning, turns into a bad day, a bad week. And then before you know it, it seems normal. And then that's it. You're just, you don't even know what's happening anymore. You just, yeah. it, you're just lost in it. Exactly. That That's the thing. That, that was my normal. I, I was not actively thinking about the fact that this was not okay. Um, this was just regular way to start my day, regular way to go studying. Um, I did not think about that this was an issue I could fix myself. Hmm. I, I feel bad that everybody or for anybody that ends up feeling that way. Like not only is this thing happening, but it's out of my control. Um, that's uh, And I think that it's a, a sentiment that gets passed around too. So you have to be careful when you're in the community because you can find a number of people who are all stuck in the same moment and then they start 
commiserating with each other. And then if you're watching from the outside, you can accept what they're saying as the rule. And just, oh, I guess this is what diabetes is going to be. I'm going to I'm going to get low in the middle of the night. I'm going to eat food and gain weight and feel badly. And that's what happened to me. And that's that. But I'm glad that you figured out that that didn't have to be the case. Um, did you share it with your parents? Did you like contact them and you're like, hey, I'm doing better? Or do you... Does that not even occur to you? Um, diabetes wasn't really a topic with my parents by the time I moved out. Um, I, I mean, I, I just didn't really talk about my management. Um, the the reports which came back from my doctor were like kind of okay because, as I said, the A one Cs were okay, mm-hmm. um, and. While I was moving out, um, my, my diabetes was not a topic that we really talked about. Um, we basically we hadn't talked about it since I was around fourteen when I I took up my own management, um, and um, I started talking to my parents about this when I was um, starting the process of getting a pump. Um, when I was saying, "Hey, look at this! Look at these numbers! I'm actually I'm I'm doing real good." Um, I, maybe I've also kind of had a notion of, look how good I'm doing this. You never did it as good. (laughs) Oh, you think maybe they were, maybe they were upset knowing that they couldn't do it as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, um, the one thing I have to say is, um, when I was a child, my, my dad tried to manage, he gave everything, Mm -hmm. um, he just um, overshot the runway a little bit and the results were, weren't really good. So um, as a kid, I had like A1Cs in, in the eights around that. So um, my parents, I think during my teen years, they always saw that I had like the six something A1C and they thought that was okay. It was better. And also, yeah. I, I don't think I... Um, would have been responsive if they would have tried to talk about my management. Okay. Because why do you think? Um, well, it's kind of been like, um, before I started managing on my own, like, um, as I said, all of my siblings are way older, so they used to babysit me. And to, to this day, they tell stories um, about how they were constantly getting called by my father. And um, he never said hello to them on the phone. The first thing he always said to them was, what's her blood sugar? So your dad was worried um, about you and that made your siblings feel like he didn't care about them. Um, well, it made them kind of feel feel like um I, I was the most cared about i mean i was also the smallest child so yeah. um that's just part of the issue but it also kind of made me think that like my diabetes was the thing about me worth caring ah uh, yeah i see so he didn't talk to you about anything other than that either yeah gotcha not yep. a lot i mean he was um he was working full time so basically, he called during the day and he did my my nighttime blood sugar te- um, checks. Mm-hmm. That was uh, the most time we spent together during the week. <laughs> oh, I understand. It's it's it. Uh, I mean, he probably had no time, and the little bit of time he did have, he was putting towards you. 
trying to help you be healthy. And yes, I, I mean, he, he had the best intentions. It's just like, um, I feel like in some parts, the the child which actually had the diabetes fell a bit short. <laughs> oh, you felt you felt like you weren't pulling like doing what you should be doing. Or what do you mean by that? Um, I mean, like, like my, my diabetes was the first issue on his mind. Every other thing concerning me came second or third. I see. Were your parents much older by the time you were? Like, how old are they now? Um, my parents are in the mid sixties. Yeah. So my son is a year older than you and I'm 50 and my wife's like, I don't know how old she is, like 48 or something. Uh, I should probably know I could do the math, but it's not important. Um, <laughs> so your parents are 15 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'm young compared to my children's age. I think I am a little bit. I can remember going to uh, school events, um, for my kid. And the other parents in the room always felt like five years older than me, maybe, or a little more than that. But nobody felt 15 years older than me. So your parents just had one good night 15 years later, huh? Well, um, all I'm going to say about this is my eldest sister is 26 years older than me. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Your mom get drunk at a wedding when she was like... 45 or something like that, you think? Something like that, maybe? <laughs> um, I, I I know the story of how I came to be. It's just... Private. Leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. I got <laughs> and, you. And alcohol was involved. <laughs> <laughs> See? There we go. I'm imagining a beer stein and a dress that I've only ever seen on television. And then before you know it, you're over there with your diabetes and and your brothers and sisters are like, where did she even come from? They must've felt like they bought a dog like too late in life. Like why did mom and dad get this? (laughs) Not that you, you understand. I'm not, you understand. Um, Yeah. yeah, I get it. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well that doesn't sound like an easy way to grow up, but yet you seem very upbeat and proactive. Why did this not make you sad and resentful? Um, I mean, it. I think it did for a little while. Okay. So, um, as I said, like, I started managing completely on my own at, like, age 13, 14. And um, I started, like, I'm just calling it the juice box method at around, like, 18. Um, so, in those years between, I... Um, I was managing, as I said, but I, I was not talking about the topic. I wasn't talking about diabetes with my parents, as I said. I tried to think about my management as little as possible. Mm-hmm. So um, I barely even um, ever adjusted like my, my basal doses, even though I was still growing. Um, so I, I think it kind of... <sighs> It kind of made me not resentful towards like my parents. Um, it made me resentful towards the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was I, I was just managing. I wasn't thinking about it. Gotcha. And um, I, I, I sometimes find myself now that I know all the things I know now, looking bad at those times and thinking like, how how, how did I even survive this? <laughs> you think you got lucky a couple of times? Um. 
I, I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Um, I had uh, like issues with, with eating, I would call it like something going in the direction of like binge eating where I would just put in 30 units, open uh, the kitchen cupboard and eat whatever I could find. <laughs> And um, so that, that 30 units was based on nothing. Okay. And I think all, all of those things, that could have gone wrong. Yeah, no kidding. Could have just not been hungry at some point and stopped eating and had way too much insulin or just overshot it differently. <laughs> Talk about that a little bit. Is that a, um, um, is that a feeling of I don't want to think about having diabetes. What I eat makes me think about diabetes. So I will throw in so much insulin that I can eat with abandon and then I'll get to pretend for a little while I don't have it. Or is that, is that not what was happening? Well, I, I think uh, what, what you're implying, that's way too conscious. I, I wasn't thinking about the diabetes at all. Got it. Um, the thing was, I, of course, with, with my parents always trying to manage me, I, um, also got into fights with them regarding like eating candy and stuff when I was younger. I think every diabetic child does at some point. Um, and so when I was like older, I could buy my own food. I had complete control of what I ate and I just wanted to indulge. Mm -hmm. So the diabetes was like not, not the important part about it, it was actually the food. Like I just wanted to have all these th these uh, things, and whatever happened to the disease didn't matter at that point. I see. Um, is there any other autoimmune issues with you or your anyone in your family? Um, with me currently, no. Um, my family's got issues with um, hypothyroidism. Oh, and you've gotten away from it somehow. I've gotten away from it. So far, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Good for you. Uh, brothers and sisters, moms and dads, is, is it spread everywhere? Uh, own, uh, it's um, coming from my mom's side, kind of guessing. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so neither of my parents actually um, do, but it's been on my mom's side of the family. And um, one of my sisters and one of my brothers both have it. So, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. We're, we're guessing it's, it's from that side. I see. Okay. Okay. Um, you did you decide at some point you you kept saying pump but i don't know what pumps are available in germany um well i mean most of the pumps which are available in the us are and actually some more because some european fact manufacturers are okay um around um the the pump i got when i was getting on a pump was actually uh, tubeless um, it was, it wasn't the Omnipod. <laughs> sorry. No, 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 you, no, you have to be sorry. Was that like Gypsumed or something like that? Or is that what it's called? No, um, no? the, um, the company was called Metrum. Oh. And I, I think it still exists, but the pump has been pulled from the market. Hmm. I'm trying to find it. <laughs> I am not having a lot of luck. Uh, let's see. I think it's spelled um, M-E-D-T-R-U-M. All right, I might have it. 
Oh, was it like green and white? Yes, exactly. Two oh. parts. Interesting. Look at that. How long did you have that for? Um, on, only a year. The company uh, disappeared, or exactly. you didn't like, or you didn't it, like it? Um, no. Um, the the company had a. They lost a legal battle here in Germany, and they had to pull it from the German market. So I had to get another pump, and also, um, by by the time I had been on a pump for a year, I um, was trying to get into looping. So okay, <laughs> I was kind of happy I got to choose a new pump. Did you loop with Omnipod or with Medtronic? Neither. <laughs> Which one did you use? I'm using uh, Adana RS. Look at you. It's like it's you live called. on a different planet. Spell that for me. <laughs> um, as Dana, like the first name. Okay. And uh, the letters RS. RS. Oh, it looks a lot like, oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, it's available like in North Korea or new, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. I'm misreading. It's a Korean pump. It's a uh, Korean pump. It's a exactly. Korean pump. Yeah. Oh, look at that. It's cool. I've never seen that one before. Dana. And so you're using that to loop with. Exactly. Are you using the same loop algorithm I'm using or are you using a different one? Um, I'm using the Android version. Android version. Okay. Yeah. What's your experience so, been? Um, I, I think loop is kind of fascinating. I think I wrote it in my email. I'm on, um, the faster version of Humalog, So Lime Jeff insulin. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm basically, um, I'm using loop without manually giving bonuses or, um, entering carbs as long as the total amount of carbs is below 50. Tell, say that again for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm not uh, manually bolusing or entering carbs as long as like the, the total amount of carbs in a meal is below 50. So you just, are you telling it you're eating or it just, it sees the I'm, change and handles it? Um, I'm telling it to lower the target blood sugar to 72 for, I think, two hours usually. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, I, I don't actually know what the algorithm per se does, but there um, is some kind of programming going on. So the corrections get stronger and um, it, it usually it uh, catches up to all of the carbs. <laughs> That's kind of brilliant. That's a different way to manipulate it. Who taught you that? I mean, um, the internet. <laughs> the, the internet told no, you that? Um, basically, um, there are a lot of um, like people working on Android Loop in Germany. And, of course, there, there's a Facebook group and a, and a website where they talk about their new ideas. And when uh, LimeChef became available... Um, in Germany, lots of people were like thinking, well, this insulin is so fast. Maybe if we're not eating the most sugary stuff, we can get this to a like closed, closed mode loop. Mm -hmm. um, and they started trying and I was just kind of, I don't know, I was kind of following as people were um, trying like to, to eat uh, 
different meals and seeing what the, the original algorithm did, did with it with a fast acting ultra fast acting insulin inside and um, once enough people had uh, posted their results and they were looking good I just I don't know I kind of started trying it and I think like the, the limit of 50 carbs kind of varies between people so I say I, I need to do a manual bolus if I'm exceeding 50 carbs um, from some people it's more for some people it's less gotcha um it also it, it does of course not work with every kind of food like mm -hmm. the the time it takes for a dexcom to measure the interstitial fluid would be way too long for something like cereal okay yeah um, what i'm seeing here about that insulin i was poking around on the internet a little bit it seems like if you're a person who already pre-boluses with a different insulin you're not going to see a big difference with this but that it might eliminate your need for such a long pre-bolus. Um, but, yeah. you're, but you're saying you see it right around 50 carbs. If you go over 50 carbs, it's not fast enough to catch up, even though you're setting that lower target. It's um, not fast enough to catch up uh, just using loop, yeah. Gotcha, right. But, but still, just setting the target lower is kind of brilliant. It's almost the, it's the algorithm version of setting a temp basal increase over top of a meal. Like you're, yeah. a, you're adding extra insulin or you're adding extra emphasis. You're telling the loop, like be more aggressive. I don't want to be, I don't know what, what is your usual target for loop? Um, I think it's like 90 to 85. And then instead you go to eat, you just tell it, try to make me 72. How long before you exactly. eat? Do you, how long before you eat? Do you have to tell it that? Um, I, I usually I put in the target like half an hour before eating. So you're pre-bolusing with the target instead of pre-bolusing with insulin, and it's taking yeah. care of it's taking care of putting in the insulin. Because even if you're yeah. like, like if you're 90 at that moment, it's going to immediately get more aggressive trying to get you to 72. Exactly, but the, the difference between like setting the target and um, doing a pre-bolus is if I don't manage to eat 30 minutes later, for example, at a restaurant or something, mm -hmm. um, nothing's going to happen below 70. Because it's still only mm -hmm. shooting for 70. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I saw today, Arden was at school today. I have no idea what happened, but her blood sugar was just chugging along in the 80s. It had been like that for like eight hours. And... She didn't eat anything, but I don't know what happened, but she suddenly went to an arrow straight up and I think she got to like 130 was still an up arrow. And I looked and the algorithm was like, was like hitting her with insulin. It was making like, so I used the version of loop, um, that allows bolusing and like it was given, it was bolusing her like a unit and a half at a time. And then it waited a little longer and gave her more. And I'm actually looking at it now because I never investigated it. But yeah, she was, wow, she was 74 and then suddenly 82, 97, 115, 129, like over a half an hour. But she never got above 134 and 850. An hour later, she was 108. And an hour and a half later, she was 85. And it, it just, 
I don't know what happened to her. I don't know why that happened. But just imagine if that happened on a regular pump or with MDI. Like, who knows where her blood sugar would have stopped? Probably, I'm going to guess, like, 240, maybe. So probably these algorithms are crazy cool. I love them. Really, really. Now imagine the reason her blood sugar started to climb was, was something she'd eaten and Luke just basically handled that on its own. That's kind of what I'm going with. Yeah. (laughs) No, no. I've seen, I've seen um, like us like forget insulin, you know, completely. Mm -hmm. And it'll still hold her, you know, unless it's something crazy, like you said, like cereal or something, bananas. But um, I meant bananas like crazy, not bananas like a banana. And, uh, <laughs> and, and something like that. Still, it can stop her before like 200 and at least gives you time to react to it and go, oh, God, we didn't put an insulin and fix it. You know, it's really cool. I, I, where did you hear about looping from? Um, so... Um, actually, I think the first kind of contact I had with Loop was on the podcast. Oh, okay. um, when you started about Arden starting looping, um, and I, I just kind of thought like, first I thought it was like an iOS thing and I'm an Android user. Mm. <laughs> I'm not using any Apple device besides AirPods. <laughs> You're very upset at Apple. We can talk about that later. That's okay. <laughs> And uh, then I kind of thought, well, it must be an, an mostly American thing because I saw all of these people using like the old Medtronic pumps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of started uh, looking around on like Facebook um, for German groups and what they were saying. And um, I, I found like the, the German loop groups and um, the, the instruct- instructions to build loop. They're also available in German. So I, I knew there must be people around here doing that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of got into that through mostly Facebook. Hmm. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> that Facebook can be valuable. <laughs> um, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is really, it's really terrific. Um, yeah. And it made me happy because I think there are people inside of like the original loop core of people who I don't think they like me very much and uh, they I got your loop into Germany so you couldn't do that so blah, pff, there you go that's all I just wanted to say that real quick I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what their problem is th- those people who have problems but I love that thing and I'm happy to like sing its praises and uh, I, don't, I don't know what their issue is I think maybe I uh, I might have made it pretty popular by it being on the podcast and who knows I'd be I'd be guessing, Melina, if I if I had to guess, and I don't I don't want to I don't want to guess. I could be completely wrong. I don't like to pretend I know how people feel. I just hear stories, and they hurt my feelings. That's all. That's all, Melina. <laughs> <laughs> and you've hurt my feelings, and I'm going to lash out <laughs> if we can consider this that. So, how long have you been doing that now? Um, I think I started. Uh, a little bit over a year ago with loop like in general mm-hmm. and um, not really manually bolusing like in February or March of this year. I'm going to try that, by the way. The, <laughs> I seriously am. Like the next time Arden tries something, I'll be like, let's set a temporary uh, target rate and see how that goes. That's really cool. I love how much uh, autonomy the the program gives you. You know, how you're really able to make 
I mean, all these, all the other ones from companies just, I'm going to imagine are not going to give you that much freedom to be changing settings like that. Um, But it's cool. It gives you a different way to think about the insulin, which I think it ends up being the most important thing is that because you could accomplish that with a regular pump if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. You could do a temp basal increase a half an hour before you eat and make it significant enough that it would use enough insulin to cover those carbs. Yeah, you could. There's no reason why you couldn't do that. And like you said, as long as they're not too harsh or too much in quantity, it should be able to stay ahead of it. I'm thinking it through while while you're talking. Yeah, but there's also like there's not much thought process going into it. Like if I if I had to set a manual basal, I have to set that up. Um, then it probably would not be enough to cover a meal, so I'd have to bolus. Right. And with using loop to cover meals, it's just one temporary target set like around 30 minutes doesn't matter if it's 20 doesn't matter if it's 40 mm-hmm. um and you just start eating and in the best and honestly um in the regular case for me um i don't have to think about it meal another time <laughs> wow what do you what what kind of eating do you normally do like what are you eating um i'm I'd say I, I eat quite quite regular food. So um, I do have some of my high carb meals, but as I said, I'm, I'm putting in a little bit of a bolus for those because, like um, most Italian food or anything like that, won't be covered entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, well, I th- I try to stay around like those um, forty grams of carbs at a meal. If I'm like working or doing something where I don't want to spend time looking at my phone and looking at the numbers, I'm, I'm trying to keep with like the, the 50 gram goal. Okay. Um, but overall, I'd say I, I eat a bread, pretty regular diet. Okay. Uh, vegetables, bread, meat, cheese, etc. Yes, yes, yeah, and like yes. Gotcha. <laughs> um, excellent. That's exciting. That must be incredibly exciting for you. Honestly, right? Like after how everything's been for so many years, how much effort you had to put into it and when you were guessing and and going through those those other issues. Is it um I, I let me ask the question a different way. If uh someone came along and took it from you, what would it mean? If 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 uh a health authority stopped loop from being available or something like that, like what would you how would that impact you? Um as overall, I I don't think it would like impact my my blood sugars a lot. It maybe would even make them a bit better because if if I were to manage entirely manually again, most of those small food spikes which need to happen in order for it to re- react would not um, happen. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think uh, it there there would be a period spanning some month of real intense uh, thinking about things once again and trying to figure out and maybe i i would have um, a bit less more uh, a bit less variety in the kind of food i ate just because trying to keep things easier um and i think if if someone stopped my loop right now i i would manage but it Diabetes would become a way bigger part of um, my daily life once more. And 
Yeah, ju- just I, I don't want to think about people stopping loose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy that you share that, though, because I just I don't know, I'm interested in in what what effects it would have. So you're saying you know enough about it, you'd be able to pull it together and manage your blood sugars, but it would in it would take time away from your life. It would change your relationship with food. And those things are not positive, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, so uh, I, I could live without it. I just wouldn't want to. <laughs> I understand. Now I worry about sometimes like I worry that, you know, one day the FDA is just going to be like, no, you can't do that. And they wouldn't be able to, I don't see how they could stop the algorithm from being available right online. So then that would mean they'd have to pressure the hardware manufacturers. Do you know what I mean? Like if they were looking yeah. for a way to put a stop to it, they couldn't stop the sharing of the algorithm. They'd have to go after the companies. I don't know how they would do that or if they would. I'm yeah. just saying that's what I worry uh, about. Um, I'm, I'm kind of thinking as you say that like uh, in the U.S., you can only use like um, old Omnipods and old Medtronic pumps to to lube, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, the Omnipod, the Eros pods work, and yeah, there's the Medtronic. I, I mean, and then there's another version of like an algorithm that I'm not as familiar with. I'm not sure what works for them, but I think it's Medtronic for sure. And there's also um, not many pumps left here. There's Medtronic. Okay, th- that's what I was thinking. So, like, it isn't kind of the, the hardware running out? <laughs> yeah. Um, Medtronic, Omnipod, and then there's Tandem, but you can't loop with Tandem. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to imagine. I mean, it's being, as far as I can tell so far, nobody's making a problem about it. But it's just, it's one of the things that always sticks in the back of my head. Like, we've, we're using this thing and, you know, it's tenuous, right? It's being managed by people online sometimes they make additions and subtractions to it and they you know they fix it or whatever that means and then there's you know the companies that uh make products and this isn't how they mean for them to be used and so far nothing's come of that but that's the part i worry about anyway i like worrying about things that's one of the that's one of the things that pops into my head uh but i love it i i hope nobody touches it they should all just leave it the hell alone you know (laughs) Right. Let you yeah, be happy. Well, sorry, I interrupted you. No, not at all. I, I want them to let you be happy. <laughs> well, um, I think I'm gonna stay happy because um, the the company my pump is from, um, they they released a new model this year, which is has already been integrated into Android Loop. Mm. <laughs> so I, I should be safe, like for the next. Six or six to seven years, yeah. um, hardware-wise. <laughs> nice. I can remember at the beginning of all this, where people were scavenging old pumps that were um, able to be looped, and they were buying them online from people, and you know, people were finding them in drawers and giving them away and stuff. And like, I don't want it to come back to that. I, I, I think this is a pretty, uh, pretty fair balance. Uh, so, and yeah, and, and you've got your Korean pump, so you're all set. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I sometimes find myself thinking whenever I see one of those posts, like, hey, I found an old Medtronic in a drawer from my cousin or something. Like, how many of these old Medtronic pumps have been around before they got pulled? Yeah. 
because it it seems to never end. (laughs) I know, but there's always somebody that finds one somewhere. It's uh, pretty fascinating. I think uh, if you came here, you know, you'd find find some Omnipods in boxes in a couple of different places. So (laughs) (laughs) it's hilarious. Uh, Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Um, uh, I don't think so. Actually, okay. Yeah, I think I'm good. Did you have a good time? Yeah, I did. (laughs) I'm glad. Is it not strange for you that I'm like more than twice as old as you are? That doesn't matter to you? No. Um, actually, like the strangest feeling is like hearing your talk and hearing your voice and kind of getting it into my head that I'm supposed to respond. Because I'm so used to hearing you talk, and I'm like, okay, he's talking. Why is there white now? Is oh, I, I should be talking now. <laughs> well, I think as long as you don't start answering your headphones when I'm not really with you, I think that'll be fine. <laughs> um, I do, I do understand that. I, I, and I, I understand it because I've heard it from a number of people that they'll say like, I'll, we'll get done, and I'll be like, how was that for you? And they're like, it was very strange to hear you talking, and that I had to respond. And I was like, oh, okay, so. I try to make people comfortable. You seem like you're comfortable. Are you? I am. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> Even so, though, I mean, I was kind of worried. Um, this is my second language, after all. Yeah. Um, and I'm, but but I think I've expressed myself quite well. So I didn't or articulated myself quite quite well. <laughs> I thought you did, and I didn't hear you. Um, like there was one time where you said, "Like I have to think about how I want to say this." But other than that, like I didn't think you had any thought to translation issues i thought you did good thank you i mean i've spoken to a lot of people who this isn't their you know english isn't their first language and that's the that's what i've learned mostly is that they spend time like we don't always have the same words and so you have to rephrase things or say them differently so that they mean something similar and you can hear people get caught once in a while trying to find it um, and I don't know what's happening this week, but I've recorded with a, yesterday I recorded with a Frenchman and today you, I think I'm making my way through Europe this week. So, well, maybe someone from the Netherlands, <laughs> it would be, be next. it would be nice if people would reach out. I'll tell you, let me tell you where the, the podcast is the most popular, like top 10, uh, us first, then Canada, then Australia and Australia and Canada sometimes go back and forth. Like sometimes the downloads in Australia will beat Canada, vice versa. Then it's United Kingdom, Germany, New Zealand, Ireland, Sweden, Belgium, and Norway. And I'm always interested that it's never like, isn't Norway one of the places where like every other person has type one diabetes? Is that what I'm thinking of? Hold on a second. Norway type one. There's a place. Oh, there's a place over there. Cause I don't really understand the map that well. Um, where like type one diabetes is just in abundance and yet those people haven't found the podcast yet. I'm, I, I might have to go over there and do a tour. I'm going to find out exactly where that is and stand in the center of town and talk about basal insulin until people start paying attention or something like that. <laughs> Doing some on-site advertising. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I have to, I'll get out ahead of it. Hey, when are you done college now? How much longer do you have? Um, I'll, I'll be done in the spring. Oh. That's excellent. And and do you have a job to jump into or is that what you're trying to figure out now? Um, that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out now. If I'm like, um, I'll be done with my bachelor's in spring. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, currently I'm figuring out whether I want to work afterwards or if I'm going to start my master's. Okay. All right. Are you leaning in one way or the other? Um, currently I'm thinking about, um, keeping, uh, keeping on studying. So doing my master's. Gotcha. Well, you're going to figure out how people think and help them. That's your goal. <laughs> well, kind of. Yeah. 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 You're not going to help anybody. <laughs> Nobody can think. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but I guess the endeavor and the value in it is the trying, right? Like trying to, trying to get people to see things that they don't see. Yeah, I think I think the one thing you can help people with is making them aware of the way they think and where there might be mistakes. I mean, that's kind of what you're doing. Yeah, I think so. You're, you're talking to people about how they think about their diabetes management and then trying to find their mistakes and how they think about it, why their results don't um, match with their effort they put in. Well, Melina, you really understand me on a different level, don't you? <laughs> Go ahead. You do, don't you? You see what I'm doing, don't you? I kind of do. <laughs> oh, do you think everybody knows? Um, I think most people right. who listen do. I'm not trying to hide it. I just, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely doing that. I'm, I am absolutely. I think that it's unfair to put people into a situation like this and then ask them to not only figure out the situation, but figure out the way that their brain works and overcome the things that are stopping them. You can't, I mean, by the time we fix that, it'll be too late, you know? So I put things out there in a way where that becomes, uh, I don't know how I want to put it, uh, where the information about handling your diabetes becomes the thing you're willing to vote for. You know what I mean? So um, you hear it, and you hear people's real honest lives with it. You can believe that it works. It gets mirrored through my personal experiences. That should be enough to get somebody to be interested. Then they can kind of put it together in ways that work for them, give it a shot, see it work, believe in it, keep going. Then eventually that turns into, like you said, you know, not much effort to keep blood sugars where you want. And then uh, that's it. Then I'm done with you and you can keep listening for the stories and, uh, and then we'll get somebody new again. But I didn't know, you just sound like you're inside of my head while you're talking. You're freaking me out. <laughs> um. Well, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't used to getting a compliment. If, um, I mean, you were basically complimenting yourself by complimenting me. <laughs> <laughs> you have the whole thing right. This is amazing. You really do get me. <laughs> no, you just um, I say it all the time in a different way. Like, you agree with me, so I like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... As I've said previously, people don't even need to like you to understand your ideas. <laughs> Doesn't matter. And there are some people like that, by the way. And I've received their emails and it's fine with me. Don't worry. I, I just yeah. got I just got one recently again. All right, we'll end with this. Let me find it for you. Hold on a second. It cracked me. It just cracked me up. Please, I don't want a bunch of these though. You'll kill me inside. But this one, if I get it once in a while, it's okay. Um let's see if I can find it. Looking at reviews, but I, I remember like you talking about this. Why I was still kind of like hate listening. 
mm-hmm. um, that there's an episode where you say like, oh, I get those people who absolutely hate me once in a while. They send their emails. <laughs> well, I appreciate and, and you I was, emailing. And I was thinking like, well, now I'm not sending one if I'm just one of many. <laughs> <laughs> Host can talk a lot about himself versus interviewing guests, but can have great content. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I, I love that one. There's one back a couple of years ago that basically just says, I don't like that guy at all, but it's a really good podcast and my blood sugars are better. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that I'm laughing about it, but not everybody can like me, but I'm happy that the podcast is valuable enough that even if I'm not somebody who you would choose to listen to for your entertainment, it's still worth listening to. Like, I think that's great. Because I can't, I mean, try to imagine if I tried to be somebody who everyone would like, that would be irritating because it wouldn't be real. I would just basically say nothing, have no opinions, and then blurt out stuff about diabetes and you wouldn't listen to that. So, yeah, I know everybody doesn't like me. It's okay. I'm okay with it. I just, well, put, I just I don't mean, want everybody I to didn't email like you. I've listened to like, not all of the episodes, but like 500 <laughs> You've listened to like 500? Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, I'm now talking to you directly, so. You really do. Yeah. Okay. So tell people I, now. I, you, you love me now, right? Well, let's put it this I kind way. of like right, you. Let's put it this way. <laughs> Melina, let's be more fair. You, me, and your dad are in a rowboat. The rowboat starts <laughs> to sink. We got to throw someone off so that the rowboat doesn't sink. Who leaves, me or your dad? Um... You. <laughs> but I love the pause. You were always going to say me, but I love how long you paused. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. All right. Well, my you're... dad's an experienced sailor. He's <laughs> someone I'd like to have on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you could just let him listen to the podcast if you need his help. So I've done enough now. I mean, it's all here, right? Melina, like, pe- like people, you listen, it-, it gets easier, right? It does. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate you understanding me and laughing along with me, too. Um, <laughs> I, I really uh, I, I had a great time talking to you, and, and I'm, I'm really pleased that you came on. I, I thank you for taking the time. I know it's later in the evening where you are, and you must be hungry and trying to get your evening going. So thank you very much. It's okay. Thank you for having me on. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. I'm also going to thank Dexcom and remind you to check out the Dexcom G6 at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. And last but not least, Melina for coming on and hate sharing her story. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the juice box podcast. <laughs>